0: Every parent's worst dream is their children falling in with the wrong crowd. But what happens when your kid's friend is so bad, he's actually demonic? And then we travel to Brazil to take a look at the story of a bizarre crime spree started by a cult that only included three people. But these three people thought they were on a quest to save the world one chicken pot pie at a time today on dead rabbit radio hey everyone welcome back to another episode of dead rabbit radio i'm your host jason carpenter i'm having a great day hope you guys are having a great day too i hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing We got a lot of stuff to cover today, so first off, running into Dead Rabbit Radio Command. Everyone get on your feet and give it up for An Idea Guy. Woohoo! yeah, ha, yeah, come on in, buddy. Wee, running on in to Dead Rabbit Radio Command. An Idea Guy made a donation during our Thanksgiving live stream episode back at Thanksgiving 2023, and I really, really appreciate it. An Idea Guy, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the show financially through live stream donations, Patreon, merch store, anything like that, it's totally fine. It truly is. Just help spread the word about Dead Rabbit Radio. That helps out so much. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell everyone you know. Dead Rabbit Radio is your favorite paranormal show. And I do see you guys doing that. That's really awesome. I do see Dead Rabbit Radio recommended online Multiple times, different websites, people are getting the word out. So just continue to do that. Help this show grow. An Idea Guy, let's go ahead and toss you the Bunny Bicycle. Everyone climb on the handlebars as he pedals us out of Dead Rabbit Radio Command all the way out to Texas. I still, how long has the Bunny Bicycle been in rotation? Still can't come up with a good sound effect. Probably should just oil those wheels. Maybe we'll get an e-bike soon. Anyways, an idea guy pedals us all the way out to Texas. It's 2013. We're about to meet a young family. We don't know exactly where this took place in Texas. I know it's a big state. But, you know, if you do live in Texas, be careful. Because this story may happen to you as well. Be careful who you hang out with. Or you we can, as adults, be careful of who we hang out with. It's our kids that are the problem. I don't have kids. I don't have kids, so I don't have this problem at all. But if you have kids, you can choose who you hang out with. When your kids start hanging out with lameos and stuff, you can't say, hey, don't hang out with that dude no more. He's totally lame. Because then they'll just want to hang out with that person more because you said something. You can choose your friends, but you can't choose your kids' friends. You can only have hoped that while raising your kids, you chose them to, you taught them to make good decisions on their own. This is kind of what's going on. Back in 2013 in Texas, we're going to meet this young father. We'll call him Scott. We don't have any of the real names. Scott has a family, and a couple of his kids have a friend we'll call Tyler. And Tyler's into the occult. He's into the occult. Uh, we don't know how much. I'm assuming pretty far. I'm it's more than just a passing interest. We don't know. Did he wear a pentacle? Have curvy knives? Did he really steady texts? Was he really like ten toes deep in this? Did he spend his all free time going through? it? We don't know. Uh, Scott said it was weird. In his estimation, it was weird. But whatever. Whatever. It, it just I was just going to let it lie. My kids like him. He might be a fine guy. I'm not really concerned anything truly bad's going to happen. But what did end up happening is one night, back in 2013, Scott and his wife, it's late at night, it's like 11 p.m. Scott and his wife go to Tyler's house to pick their kids up. I'm assuming they're all like pre-teens, teenagers. They drive to Tyler's house to pick their kids up. Tyler's having a party. It's time to go. They pick their kids up. They're driving back home, and they said, hey, let's go to Whataburger. Let's go to Whataburger. If you're not familiar with it, I've never eaten there, but it's like a burger joint. They decided to stop by a Whataburger to get a late-night snack, and they do. Eating their burgers, driving home. That's when Scott starts to feel this sensation in his chest. He's driving home, and he describes it as a vibration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This vibration in his chest. Never felt anything like it before. He just keeps driving. But as he continues to drive, he starts to have these thoughts. He goes, I start to have these thoughts that were unusual for me. I don't normally think like this. He doesn't go into detail, but I think we kind of know what he's talking about. We all have dark thoughts from time to time, but then we would know that when the thoughts kind of went a little too far. And I think it's interesting that Scott won't say what those thoughts were, and it could have not even been that shocking. He could have just realized it's not something that he normally thinks about. But he starts having these thoughts and he he thought, these are not usual thoughts for me. He turns to his wife and as he's driving, he turns to his wife and he goes, hey honey, I think something's wrong. I, I don't feel quite right. And he turns and he looks at his wife and she gasps. Because his eyes are now black. They've gone completely black. Now this family seems to be a spiritual family. That could be one of the reasons why they didn't immediately say you can't hang out with the occult kid. They seem to have some interest or belief in the spirit world because when they got home, they began saging everybody, everybody in the household. Try to create some sort of protective measure. They realized that this was some sort of invasion into this family. Super concerning. I mean, obviously, if you believe in this stuff, that would probably be one of the most worrisome things you could come across is some sort of spirit trying to gain access in your household he goes we saged everybody this made me think they might straight up be like wiccans i've never heard of this before um i can kind of see the logic in it. i don't think it would work but i could see why someone would think it would work scott said for a while he would stick his feet in the dirt and I guess it's probably something like the negative energy leaching out of the bottom of your foot. I mean, hopefully, he says he did it for a while. I don't know if that means he did it for like 30 minutes that night. I don't know if he's like, did it for the next four, next four weeks. He's getting off of work. He's like, move out of the way, kids. Daddy's got to get some dirty feet. And they're like, what? He has a big dirt fetish. So he put his feet in the dirt for a while. That's just such a ridiculous thing. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't probably it doesn't probably whoever made it up thought it was funny 1300 years ago told somebody that be like yeah and if you really want to get the bad spirits out of you bury your feet that'll be 10 gold shillings please and then the guy's like man these yokels will believe anything but maybe you know i don't think it works i don't see any situation where i would think burying my feet i hate feet stuff i don't even like wearing socks why would i want to wear the world Why would I want to dig two holes in the ground and just stick my feet in them? That just sounds so off-putting. There's like worms walking around your feet. You pull them out. You got mushrooms grown out of your toenails. Awful. Awful. But anyways, this guy did it. And he said eventually the feelings and the thoughts went away. He stopped having these negative thoughts. But... Almost every night for the next two weeks, he had these horrible nightmares. Probably feet-related. He dreams that snails are slowly... I wonder if you stuck your feet in the ground for long enough, what would eat away at them? Like, if you buried if you buried someone from the ankle down, and you threw a bunch of bugs in there, I bet you, like, some scarabs could ch- chop you up. They'd eat you up. I bet you there are some bugs. Eventually, like, you're like, well, time's up. And you pull your feet out and they're both gone. You're like, how did I not notice that? How did I not notice the searing pain? You just pull out two bony ankles. Your feet are still being devoured in the soil. You look down and there's a caterpillar. Eating your calf. Anyway, none of that that happened. None of that happened. Anyways, he just pulled his feet out of the sand. He was totally fine. But he did have nightmares for two weeks. After that, though, he said that happened way back then. And he goes, years after that, really a few years ago from today, he goes, we ended up living in this rental home in Colorado. He goes, we lived in this rental house. I woke up in the middle of the night. It was like 2 a.m. and I had to pee really badly. And I start walking down the hallway to get to the restroom. And suddenly... Scott realizes that he's walking through a giant set of cobwebs. Not one big giant cobweb, but like all these He keeps walking, and the farther he gets down the aisle, he's like swatting them away. He feels that little silky touch against his skin. He's like swatting them away. But he realized they weren't cobwebs. They just felt like cobwebs because each time that he walked through one of them and kind of swatted it away they would make noises they would either hiss at him as he walked by or they would growl they'd hiss or growl as he was walking through them because these aren't real cobwebs cobwebs don't normally make noises he goes he could also see these Different colored eyes looking back at him. I mean, at a certain point, how badly do you have to go to the bathroom, right? He's like, oh, I gotta pee. Whoa! He's a wild. I would be like, I'm done. The second I hit the first cobweb, I'd be like, no, nah, I'm good. Especially if they're yelling at me and I'm seeing eyeballs watching me from the cobwebs. But he continues. He has to go to the bathroom really, really bad, I guess. But he doesn't remember going to the bathroom. He remembers walking through the cobwebs. And the next thing he remembers is... Waking up. So it was just a dream, Jason. It was just a dream. He had a dream. He was playing plants versus zombies, and he was the plant. He was the pea shooter. Well, you could say it was just a dream. However, he wakes up and he goes, man, that was some weird dream. All those cobwebs yelling at me. Well, his wife comes up to him and says, hey, honey, what happened last night? He goes, what, what are you talking about? did you get up and go to the bathroom in the middle of the night? And he's like, I did actually. I did. I thought it was this crazy nightmare, but I must've walked down there. And she's like, yeah, you walked down there and you wrote something on the mirror in the bathroom. What were you doing? Like, is everything okay? And he's like, "Uh, I don't remember. Honestly, I remember walking down the hallway, all the cobwebs. Did you see the cobwebs? No, I didn't see any cobwebs. Well, I was walking down the hallway last night and, all these cobwebs and these multi, multicolored eyes were staring at me, but I don't remember going to the bathroom. I definitely don't remember writing anything on the mirror. What did I write on the mirror? His wife never told him what he wrote on the mirror. She got up at some point, saw this message scrawled on the mirror, erased it, asked him about it he couldn't remember it he said she's never told me what i wrote which poses an interesting question to us this was online this was written by a guy named tdn87 i mean obviously there's a couple different things you could look at it really i think let's assume right that this did have something to do with his kids hanging out with tyler who was really into the occult something did try getting into this house Something did try getting into Scott himself. Like he felt that vibration in his chest. Started having these unusual thoughts. We can add the word dark, I would assume. I wouldn't be alarmed if I started developing a taste for cotton candy. I hate cotton candy. I think it's gross. I don't I just find the whole thing disgusting. It's basically inedible cobweb. That you put in your mouth and it instantly becomes hard. It becomes hard as like a lollipop. It's so gross. I like lollipops. Don't get me wrong. Feel free to send me lollipops. But gross. I hate cotton candy. But let's say all of a sudden I started to like cotton candy. I wouldn't go, oh no. Hey, uh, something's wrong with me mentally. (laughs) Actually, I might think that. I might think I got hit on the head. Because it's disgusting. But... I don't know if I would be alarmed by it. I'd be like, that's weird. Maybe my body's craving something and the only thing it can think of is cotton candy. I'm assuming it was dark thoughts, not cotton candy. I'm craving cotton candy thoughts for this guy. And, you know, it's interesting, too, because there was a time period between these two stories. You would imagine it's possible that if a demon got into your life, I would think... Things would escalate quickly. We covered that story a long time ago about that girl. I'll put it in the show notes, but her family was like haunted by a demon for years. I think once it kind of lays its roots in, it's there to stay unless, you know, you can get some external help to get it out. We've also covered stories where people have been attacked by demonic entities and they're able to push it out and then they never have to deal with it again. This one seemed to hang on for a while. It might be the same thing. Because again, let's say you woke up in the middle of the night and you saw that your significant other wrote on the mirror, ham and cheese, ham and cheese, make me a sandwich, please. You wouldn't say, hey, why'd you write that on the mirror? <laughs> not making you a ham and cheese sandwich, no matter how often, no matter how nice you ask. not making you a ham and cheese sandwich. You would tell somebody that. You would go... Dude, what was up with that last night? You took my good lipstick and you wrote ham and cheese, ham and cheese, make me one, please. Like, what? You dream? Are you that hungry? The only reason you wouldn't tell someone what they wrote on the mirror is if it was bad. Like, I dream of strangling the children. Or the last thing you will see are my hands around your throat. Like, stuff like that, right? Stuff that's pretty alarming. And that's the quite that's what I think is interesting about this story. It's possible that there's still this dark entity attached to this family. They may have gotten it from Tyler. That would be the obvious conclusion, right? Coming from a party, they could be doing a whole talk to me thing, right? They could be, hey, everyone, let's get this Ouija board out. This dark entity could be attached to Scott. And they saged it out and he planted his feet for a while. But it's still... Was there the doorway? The doorway was still open, and the demons coming back in. We don't know. I have a question for you guys Would you want to know what you wrote? And that's that's I mean, again, like you could say, Yeah, I want to know, but you don't know, you know, it's bad enough that your significant other erased it and didn't want to tell you, so it's not something. It's not something like every face deserves a smile or leprechaun's treasure that away in a little arrow. It would be something that you'd have to coax out. Would you want to know? And once you knew, like, again, what if it was something like I want to stab the baby? I want to stab a baby. Would you want to know that you wrote that? You don't know what it is at first. And you're like, come on, please tell me, please tell me. And then they say, you wrote that you wanted to stab a baby. And then you then <laughs> you listed, then you got birth announcements from the local newspaper and taped them up to the mirror and began circling them at random. What hospitals these babies were at. Honey, I'm a honey, I'm a little concerned that you truly want to stab a baby. And once you know, you can't unknow it. That's what makes this such kind of an interesting hypothetical question for us. None of us are Scott. He really has to face this. Would you want to know? And and it would be the worst possible thing you could think of. Or maybe not. Maybe it's somewhere in between. I want to push a kid into a bouncy house full of nails, which while, (laughs) while extremely dangerous... There's a chance that he'll just get poked a couple times, too. I want to execute one of my kids and make the other two watch. Like somewhere in between that. And you don't know what it is until they tell you. Would you want to know? It's funny because the initial instinct is, yeah, I'd want to know what was on the mirror. But you don't know how absolutely evil it can be. Because here's the thing. If this is demonic... All bets are off. All bets are off. I'm actually, I'm giving you PG-13 possibilities. What could have been written on that mirror could have been so inhumane it could only come from infernal sources. I'm leaving a lot of stuff off. It could be way worse than what I'm saying. And imagine if you found out you wrote that in your house where your family sleeps You wrote that. Would you rather know what you wrote or never know what you wrote? Hypothetical for you and me, but for Scott, this is a real life question. And I think he's kind of made peace with not knowing what he wrote. His wife won't tell him. Terrifying story. One, we have possibly a father being possessed by a spirit, but then we have this crazy hypothetical question, would you want to know what darkness currently lies inside of you? Because that's what Scott is facing. This isn't a phantom haunting the house. It's haunting him. It's inside of him. He might have to do more than put his feet in the ground for this one. And he might have to do it before something terrible happens to him or his family. An idea guy, we've actually run out of time to tell the chicken pot pie story. You guys are on a bended knee, waiting very... Is that is that the right phrase? You guys are patiently awaiting the chicken pot pie story. That's going to have to... St- Wait until another episode. I don't have enough time to tell it. But I'm going to give you guys another story. We're going to do a little audible here. And Idea Guy, I'm going to toss you the keys to the world-famous Carpenter Copter. We're waving goodbye to the man in the mirror. And we're passing over Brazil. Save those savory (laughs) savory chicken pot pies for another episode when you're especially hungry. You'll love that one. And Idea Guy, fly us all the way out to... The Crossroads. The idea of selling your soul to the devil, making a bargain with the devil for fortune and fame is a tale as old as time. It really is. You have this idea that you can somehow bargain with the Dark Lord himself, Lucifer, To gain worldly possessions. I'm curious as to where it started. I mean, obviously we have Faust. We have that, what was it, a poem? Don't know if you could call it a novel. I never read it. I've seen, obviously, multiple iterations of it in horror movies. They're constantly uh, replaying that story of Faust. I think it goes back farther than that. Honestly, I think, I mean, I'm not a biblical scholar by any means at all. Even though my dad was a minister, we I didn't study the Bible. He did. I think that the idea of a deal with the devil starts with that story. And I'm not going to go into a ton of detail about it because people hate it when I talk about the Bible. But the story when uh, Jesus is wandering through the wilderness where he's fasting for 40 days. And Satan shows up. And Satan's trying to tempt Jesus going, hey, man, if you're so magical, why don't you turn these rocks into some delicious bread? (laughs) He's hoping Jesus just bites into the rock and breaks all of his teeth. Why don't you perform some miracles? If you're this, if you're the son of God, you should at least be able to turn rocks into bread. I mean, you turned two fish and a couple loaves and you fed an entire population of people. So clearly you could do it yourself. And Jesus is refusing But then the most telling point, and I think this is where we get a lot of the idea of selling your soul to the devil, is the devil takes Jesus to this cliff and shows him the world. Shows him the entire world, all of the mighty empires that exist. And Satan goes, listen, if you bow before me, you will rule all of these. I will make you the ruler of my kingdom. All you have to do is bow before me and worship me, and you will be this great leader. And it's funny, because in, in retrospect, in hindsight, we understand, if you're a Christian, right? If you don't believe in any of this stuff, that's fine as well. But in hindsight, the narrative, let's just pretend it's Star Wars, for example. In hindsight, we we know how the story ends. When you're reading that part of the Bible... You're not on pins and needles. You're not like, is he going to choose it? Is he going to choose it? Because you know it ends with Jesus being crucified by the Romans and then dying for everybody's sins. And then he comes back three days later. You understand that's how this story ends. But if you put yourself in Jesus's shoes, he doesn't know that. He doesn't know that his plans going to succeed he doesn't know if he's going to be killed he was afraid he was a mortal man even though that's the interesting thing about the trinity he is god the father and the holy ghost but he's also jesus he's a guy who pooped and had to wash his hands when they got muddy and got a little violent from time to time he was a dude he was a dude That's what makes that story so important. If he was a saint, if he was someone who could not be corrupted, then that's not an interesting story. It doesn't really mean much. The the idea is, is that he could have been corrupted, and he chose not to. But when he's up there and he's gone weeks without eating, and Lucifer's like, I can make you the king of everything. You can give up right now. Your journey is a fool's folly. I can give you everything right now. You don't even have to work for it. All you have to do is bow and worship me. And in that moment, when Jesus says, nah, I'm good, I'm not going to do (laughs) that, he's all magically turning some rocks into bread. It's Lucifer's looking that way. He's off, dum-dum-dum. He goes, no, I'm not going to do that. He decides to stay the course. But in that moment, he does not know. He assumes And probably believes in a way that God has a plan, but he doesn't know what it is. And the plan was quite barbaric. You know, while Jesus is on the cross, he screams out, why have you forsaken me? He's calling out to his dad, like, all the stuff I did for you, and this is how it ends? He didn't know he was going to come back to life. Because if he knew that, then there's no struggle. Even on that cross, he had struggled with his faith. Father, why have you forsaken me? He didn't know he was going to come back. And he didn't know in that moment when Lucifer was tempting him, showing him all the splendor, all the riches, all the power that Jesus could have and all he had to do was get down on his knees and praise Lucifer. I think that's really where the Western version of making a deal with the devil comes from. And that's really what we think of it as today. Somebody who wants fame or money or power or all of it, they make a deal with the devil, and it's become such such a part of our culture that now nowadays it's you know there's obviously this isn't a widespread belief, but there is a core group of people who believe that you can only make it if you sell your soul to the devil. Not just sell your soul metaphorically. Not just be like, well, you know, I want to have a lot of money and that means that I'm going to operate this business that's going to do some unethical things. Technically not illegal, but unethical, sure. We can say that you're selling your soul for profit. But there's a core group of believers who say, no, you're literally selling your soul to the devil. Short-term gain. For long-term payment. But that's okay. Like I'm not worried about what's going to happen to my everlasting soul. I want to be rich and famous now. That's a big component. We see it a lot in the entertainment industry. We see people going, oh, you know, the reason why these people are famous is because they sold their soul to the devil. And then we see it in the conspiracy theory community too. That's more the metaphorical. You go, this content creator is popular because... They sold themselves to the CIA. The CIA, they're, they're a CIA front conspiracy group to misdirect the real truth seekers out there. Or they sold their soul to the YouTube algorithm. They're creating stuff for that's safe for YouTube so they can make that YouTube money. But no one actually believes that they're selling their soul to Google. That when this content creator dies... They're going to forever be trapped in a maze of ones and zeros, lost somewhere in the data stream. This is a super pervasive conspiracy theory. Uh, Generally, I think more people sell their souls, quote-unquote, and it's just a phrase. They're doing something that is unethical for monetary gain or for power, but they, they still have their eternal soul connected to their body. Why are we talking about this? Well, one, I find it fascinating. It's a fascinating subject. It's something that's been a part of Western culture for a long time. I keep saying Western culture because I don't know. There could be even older traditions in East Asia, in Mongolia, that are similar stories. I'm not that well-versed in world religions. I'm barely <laughs> barely well-versed in my religion. But anyways, um, it's definitely something we see a lot in western culture and i think that it has a lot i mean here's the thing like as a theoretical thing it's absolutely fascinating that we can sit back and we can go oh the reason why olivia rodrigo is so popular and ava max is not is because olivia rodrigo must have sold her soul to the devil she and i'm not necessarily saying that uh but you know she's doing snl she's on all these movie soundtracks she kind of came out of nowhere um, Ava Max is another female singer, uh, a little bit older, just like maybe two or three years older than Olivia Rodrigo. You may never heard of her. I like both of their music. I think they both put out really good music. Ava Max has been working in the industry for like 10 years, possibly more. She's never had that breakthrough. So you might say, well, Olivia Rodrigo, the re- only reason why she's above Ava Max is because she sold her soul to the devil. And what that can do is downstream... Like, that's an interesting conversation we can have. And you could say metaphorically, sold or sold, literally sold or sold. But I think downstream, we start to run into issues like this. This is what I'm going to talk about. This is a more specific thing than a what if, what if. Someone posted on the export a while back. I think it was early. I think it was late last year, maybe early this year. They posted this thing saying... um. Quote, I want a beautiful, ageless body. You go, well, who who wouldn't, right? Who wouldn't? But let, let's get a little bit more into this because that's a, it, it's more complicated than that. Quote, I want a beautiful, ageless body, not the sickly, deformed one I was born with. What should I do? I'm willing to do anything. I feel great at 47. I honestly feel healthier, and I think, in a lot of ways, mentally and physically, than I was in my 30s. But would I always want to have the body of a 20-year-old? Yeah, sure. I think we could all kind of agree with that first part, but most of us aren't trapped in a sickly, deformed body, as this poster described. So it's a little bit more than just, oh yeah, I, I, it would be cool if I still had my stamina that I had in my 20s, but... He was born in this body that is not working right. If we take him at his word, that's a struggle I've never had to face. I think a lot of you guys have never had to face. And he goes, how do I I end this? Like, how do I end this misery? I want to have a beautiful, ageless body, not the sickly, deformed one I was born with. His next sentence is what's concerning. I want a beautiful ageless body, not the sickly deformed one I was born with. What should I do? I'm willing to do anything. Next sentence. Should I sacrifice infants? And this is where, I've talked about this before on the show a long time ago. These conspiracy theories, they they may or may not be true. I honestly think that you can sell your soul to the devil. I think most celebrities have not done that. I think a lot of them have metaphorically sold their soul and turned their backs on sexual assault victims just so they could be working on a Merrimax movie, just so they could have Harvey Weinstein run an Oscar campaign for them. I think a lot of celebrities have metaphorically sold their soul. Watching young actors and actresses getting led out of their dressing rooms by some executive producer who pops in on the set every once in a while. And you know what's going on. You know what's going on in that room, but you're not going to say anything because that's the money man and you want a career. That, that, you, that is totally the definition of metaphorically selling your soul. You turn a blind eye to the sexual assault of children in your workplace... So you don't lose your job or any future employment opportunities. You've metaphorically sold your soul and you're going to have to live with that. This is a man who is at the end of his rope. I, I think anyone could empathize with somebody who's trapped in a body that's been broken since birth, wanting a way out. He, his first go-to is, should I sacrifice infants? And that's like the most barbaric possible thought you could think of. And I think that's the point. When we, I think it's totally fine to have these discussions about conspiracy theory and selling your soul to the devil. And like I said, I think some people can and some people have. But what happens is downstream, we run into situations like this. You have a guy thinking, well, if... Taylor Swift can sell her soul to the devil to become the richest, most famous woman in the world. Surely, I could sell my soul to the devil and just get a working body. That seems like a far smaller ask than the first person to make a billion dollars in ticket sales. That seems so easy to do. But the idea is also that selling your soul to Satan generally requires some sort of sacrifice. What we see in the literature, if you if you do believe that people can sell your, their souls to the devil, generally how it works like this. This is I'll try to find some show notes. This is stuff I researched long before I was doing the show, but generally it works like this. You make a pact with the devil to sell your soul, which is immaterial to you. You may not even believe you have a soul or it doesn't matter. You go, I've already done bad stuff. I'm going to hell or heaven's full of a bunch of losers. I don't want to go there anyway. I don't want to go there anyways. The the soul is something immaterial to you. It'd be the same thing as if someone came into your house and wanted to borrow a book that you've never read. It was sitting on your shelf. You've never really read it. They go, hey, can I borrow that book? And you know, you're never going to see it again. (laughs) This person's a total flake. You let them borrow the book. To a lot of people, that could be what their soul is. They may not believe they have one, and if they do have one, they don't use it. It's a nothing. So they sell their souls to the devil for fame and fortune. Generally, what happens is there is a time period where you do get your desires. You get everything that you wanted. And let's say that you do this. You sell your soul. Next thing you know... You got a record deal with Interscope. You're on your second album. The critics love you. Your shows are packed. It's been about five, seven years that you've been living this life. You've been living your dreams. And then at that point, sometimes you are then approached again by the devil, and it's time to re-up. Now, before, you didn't have any fame or fortune at all. You're just a dude. and. You don't know what you're missing. So, if the devil came to you and said, if you want to be rich and famous, you have to sacrifice an infant, you have to sacrifice like a cousin or a nephew, you have to sacrifice a child from your own bloodline, most people would not pay that price. Most people, right out the gate, would not pay that price. They may feel totally comfortable selling their soul because, again, it's nothing that they've ever seen. But once you've been at the top, once you're sitting there and you're at the Grammys and Bruno Mars is giving you a high five and you're on the cover of a magazine with this beautiful babe and your life is everything you've wanted, wanted it to be. And the devil comes and says, hey, you know, your brother's going to have a kid soon. You have to give me that kid's soul to continue this. Or, I mean, the tabloids are full of celebrities who just fell off. Your next album's a flop, all your fans immediately turn away from you, they find something else, and now you're back where you were pre-fame, which now you do know what you'd be missing. You'd miss all those late-night phone calls from your favorite celebrities, the ones you always looked up to growing up. They're calling you and asking you for advice, but they're your phone no longer rings, your fans have all turned their backs on you, your music is now a joke. But you can keep this going for the price of one child. Just one. And that can, obviously, if you do that, it's just a cascade. It's only going to get worse from there. Because what happens when it comes time to re-up again, you go, well, I've already killed a kid. So what, this next thing he's asking, you know, I'm already in deep. I've already lost my soul. I've already killed a kid. Now you're 15 years in your in your career. I think this is super rare, just to be clear. I think this is incredibly rare. I don't think Jim Carrey is drowning his nephews. I don't think that most celebrities... Literally sell their soul to the devil. But some have. And I think it's been going on for a long time. This guy's going straight to the second step. Should I sacrifice infants? Now, to be fair, because cause that'd be that's like again the most horrific thing you can think of. And I can understand a level of desperation where you're thinking I would do anything, but to make that your next step. It's interesting because he doesn't just say, should I sell my soul to the devil? He's like, should I sacrifice infants? Assuming that that would cure him. He does, though, I will say, you know, his second thought, that's his first thought, should I sacrifice infants? He goes, or, which probably should have been his first step, he goes, should I strive every day To reach heaven. Should I base my entire life around. Going to heaven after I die. Because if you look at the theology of that. You will have a beautiful ageless body after death. It was interesting because this is one of those threads on the X-Board. These do pop up. I honestly think this is the norm. The more ridiculous ones I think get more attention on the board, but people came out and they actually were giving him advice. No, no one, at least what I saw, was saying, "Yeah, you should, you should sacrifice infants." Some people said, "Hit the gym." Right? We don't know. We don't know exactly what he says. Sickly deformed. Sickly and deformed. We don't know exactly what he means by that, but some people are like work. You know, this is a good tip: work out what you can work out. It, the very least, it will boost your uh, mental health. Even if you never really gain a lot of muscle, it's an endurance, it's a mental endurance exercise. Just getting up to do it is a huge part of the struggle. Hit some people are like hit the gym. Some people are saying. Be a good person, but don't be a good person just to reach heaven. That's kind of missing the point. Just live your life, be a good person, and know you will go to heaven. But if you focus on that, then that's kind of not the point. Other people offered solutions like reality jumping. We've talked about that before on the show, where maybe he can get his consciousness to jump into a version of him that doesn't have these... um, deformities these issues super interesting though I mean obviously I hope that I don't know if any of those will specifically help I could say the one that would probably be the most harmful is the one where you're killing babies the one where you're thinking if I sacrifice this infant I will be healthy and and you know it's an interesting thing because you we don't know this guy, obviously. I wish him the best. I hope that he's able to make it through. What he's going through um, is a not just a physical issue, but a mental issue. Mental health, you know, just not saying that he's mentally insane, but, you know, just strengthen his mental resolve. Finding good ways to re- to fix this issue. Finding good ways to fix this issue. I think we do have to put on the table that if somebody, Lucifer, we'll just straight up say Lucifer, came to you and said, I will give you everything you want if you simply bow down and worship me and you have to sacrifice this infant. I think most, I honestly think most people in the world would say no. I think regardless of religion or lack of religion, atheist, agnostic, they might, those people may be super surprised Lucifer is real. They have to readjust their values. But most people, like a far, far majority of people, would say that's insane. But let's put a little spin on this. This is where it does get interesting as a diabolical, no pun intended, thought experiment. What if a loved one, what if it wasn't you, but a loved one of yours who was suffering from a... Real health crisis. You were afraid you were going to lose them soon, and Lucifer came to you and said, I can heal them. I can fix them. All you have to do is worship me and sacrifice this infant. It changes it. I mean, I still think a lot... I still think a lot of people would not do it. But I think that sliver of people who would do it for themselves, I think it grows a bit when you factor in somebody else. Somebody that you deeply care about and you don't want to lose. You may be willing to take that extra step. The, the The big issue, is though, with that, is that you're still doing something completely inhuman. And... You may save them, but now you've lost a part of yourself. And you may have lost the part of yourself that they loved most about you. It's not like your soul would be gone. But this would change you. Doing something like this would definitely change you. Killing a kid would change you. And and I imagine the person you love the most would recognize that change at some level. But the most disturbing part of all of this, really, we'll wrap it up like this, is I think when we look at this group of people, this Venn diagram of people who would sell their souls for fame and fortune, I think most of them didn't. I think uh, there's a group of people out there that have said, I will do anything to become rich and famous. I will do the worst things imaginable if I have my dreams come true, and they do it. They do completely unforgivable things, and then their wishes come true. But it was just a coincidence. They were going to get that recording contract. They were going to get that job. They were going to have their book published. All of these things were going to happen. But in that moment of doubt, when they did not have faith in the plan, they committed an unspeakable act. And then two weeks later, they get a note back. We want to publish your book. They get the call from the employer, you're hired. Record company sends out an executive to have them sign a contract. And those things weren't going to happen. But they jumped the gun. They didn't need to do that. But they just didn't trust the plan. which is such a psychological torment they would never know they would never know but they would always wonder they didn't see lucifer appear in the pentagram they painted on their floor they never saw the glowing eyes of the into their bed and the infernal voice say it's done No, they just killed the baby. Or any other horrible act you can think of. And they would never know for sure. They may think that it worked, but they would never know. And you could go, well, that's better because (laughs) they technically haven't sold their soul. But I don't... I don't think you would say it's better. I definitely wouldn't say it's better. It still involves the destruction of a young life, or again, whatever horrible example you want to think of. I think it is worse in a way, because had they just had a little more faith, they would have realized that they had made it themselves without any help, and more importantly, they wouldn't have destroyed another life. I think selling your soul to the devil is a terrible idea. I don't think anything good can come of it. And you can go, well, you know, I'm broke right now. My whole life is a mess. I'm in a sickly, deformed body. There's a lot of good that can come out of it, Jason. Short term. Short term gain. Selling your soul to the devil is like borrowing money from the mob. It sounds like a terrible idea. Once you do it, you realize, well, that's not as bad as I thought it would be. But the longer you stay connected in that ecosystem, the longer you continue to borrow money from the mob, the longer you continue to attain fame and power from Lucifer, the longer you are connected to these dangerous people, the deeper you're going to find yourself walking into a swamp. The first couple steps into the swamp are totally fine. Your socks didn't even get wet. But once you're four feet away from the shore, once you're four feet into the swamp and it's up to your ankles, you go, I could turn back now, but all I'm going to have to show is some dirty pants. All I'm going to have to show is this Chance at stardom. This chance at success and I let it go. No, I'm going to keep on walking because clearly the swamp can't swallow me whole. But that's the mistake we make. Just keep walking into that swamp. There's an old survival lesson. And we see people do it all the time. You have a group of people driving in a car. They're trying to go from city A to city B. And in between those two cities is a mountain. You see this happen time and time again. This happens all the time. They're driving the car up the mountain to get to city B, but the car breaks down halfway up that mountain. Do you know what almost every single person does in that situation? They continue to walk up the mountain. Even though they know that behind them, a far shorter distance, is the town they just left, time and time again, people will continue to walk up that mountain. It's a weird quirk of human behavior. You know what is behind you. You've been there already. You know exactly how far away it is, and you know what's there. People will continue their climb up that mountain and then walk all the way down the other side of the mountain to get to the town they were originally headed to. And that's what happens in this situation as well. You're knee-deep in the swamp. You know what's behind you. It's a far shorter distance to turn around and get out of that situation. You can always reclaim your soul after you've sold it, but you're going to lose everything you attained by selling it. You know what's back there, though. It may not be comfortable. It may not be fun. People continue to walk deeper and deeper into the swamp. Even when the thick, wet mud is up to their nose, they will continue to say, I will not get swallowed by this swamp. Just a few more steps. Just a few more steps. If you don't turn around the swamp will swallow you whole. And the next person who walks your path will see nothing but the bog in front of them. Will not know of the thousands of trapped bodies just inches underneath the surface. Trapped in a contract. Trapped in a lifestyle. Trapped by... Horrible decisions that they themselves made. And when the next person steps off the shore and puts one foot into the swamp, they go, This isn't so bad. I think I can make it to the other side. Dead Radio gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash Dead Radio. TikTok is at Dead Rabber Radio. Dead Radio is the daily paranormal, conspiracy, and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.